For what are you living? What is your goal in life? What is your purpose in life? Do you have a meaning for your life? I think some people are just like wandering generalities, wandering around in life, not knowing where to go, what to do, not knowing their goals in life or their meaning. Please stay tuned to getting to know your Bible today. We're going to be talking about man's purpose in living. Please stay tuned. Hello, I'm Billy Lambert, and I'd like to welcome you today to Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the preaching of the gospel. And today we want to make an, uh, an announcement about a free Bible correspondence course that we offer. And I emphasize it's free. And I realize you, you see a lot of things that you think are free when in reality you find out they're not. When you read the fine print, no there's no fine print to this offer. We want to pause long enough so that you can learn about the course, how you can receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. The book that I hold in my hand is called the Bible. The Bible is the greatest book in all of the world. The, the, the Bible is the greatest book in the world because it's God's book. But, but the Bible is also the greatest book in the world because it tells me all I need to know about myself. For example, the Bible tells me about my origin. It tells me that it is in God that we live and move and have our being. It tells me that, it was, that God made that first man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and that first man became a living soul. God is the author of life. And so we, we learn about that in this book. And from the Bible, we also learn about the purpose that we have in living. We want to talk about that today. What are we really living for in life? I've often summarized what I think we ought to be doing in life by saying we ought to be glorifying God in our lives. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Paul said, whether we eat or whether we drink, do all to the glory of God. Everything we do ought to be to bring glory to God. So the Bible actually answers that question about how do I do that? How do I really bring glory to God? But then another question that this book answers for me is where am I going when this life is over? We're going somewhere. And some people say there isn't any other place to go. But is that true? You see, this is the greatest book in the world because it answers all of life's greatest questions. I suppose that all people who read the Bible, study the Bible, love the Bible, and believe the Bible 
have favorite places they like to read. And one of my favorite places, not the only one, but just one of my favorite places to read in the Old Testament is the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, some have referred to the book of Ecclesiastes as sort of a melancholy book. I don't see it that way. I, I see the book of Ecclesiastes as a book about life and how to live life at its best and get the most out of life and how to find your purpose in living. And that's, in fact, what we'd like to do today. And I want us to focus our attention on the 12th chapter of this great book, that begins like this. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light of the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. In the days when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few. And those that look out of the windows be darkened. And the door shall be shut in the street when the sound of the grinding is low. And they shall rise up in the voice of a bird. And all of the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also when they shall be afraid of that which is high. And fear shall be in the way. And the almond tree shall flourish. And the grasshopper shall be a burden. And desire shall fail. Because man goes to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Wherever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel be broken at the cistern, then shall the dust return unto the earth as it was, and the Spirit unto God who gave it. This book tells us that while we're now living in our short home, we're headed to eternity. Now this chapter opens by saying, remember God. He says, remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. And experience and observation vindicate the wisdom of Solomon on that point because you see, well, for the most part, those who give their lives to the Lord do it early in life or sometimes never at all. And it just seems the older we get, the more difficult, difficult it is for us to, to make the needed changes in our lives. But he said, remember God while, it is, while you're young. Why, why do you suppose he said that? Well, one reason is that we're going to get older. And then it, just as we get older, someday we're going to die. We're going to leave this world. Now in this great chapter, Solomon explains to us what it's like to get older. And maybe some of you that are watching right now can identify with his description of, of what it is uh, really like for us to get older in life. He says, now as we begin to get older, he said the, the strong men are going to tremble. The arms are going to tremble. The, the, the arms of man will become weak and not have the strength in them we had earlier in life. But he said then the, the strong men are going to bow themselves. That's the weakening of the legs as we get older. And he talks about the house here. And that house has to do with the physical body of man. 
And it says as we began to get older, he said not only will the, the legs begin to, to, to bow themselves, but he said the grinders will cease. There will be the, the loss of our teeth as we began to get older. You see, this was uh, written before the invention of what we know today as artificial teeth or implants and all of that. But he said you're going to have the loss of your teeth as you get older. Be, and he says the daughters of music will be brought low. Maybe when you were young, uh, you had a beautiful voice for singing. But as you begin to get older, your voice is not exactly what it used to be. But then as he con continues this, he says, the door will be shut in the street when the sound the of the grinding is low. See, as we get older, there will be the need for the tight closing of the mouth in order to chew your food because of the lack of teeth. Now, I tell young people that's just being polite to, to keep your mouth closed while you're chewing your food. And then also he says as we begin to get older, he says uh, fear will be in the way. And you'll be afraid of that which is high. You see, maybe when you were a young man, you would scale the heights. <laughs> maybe it didn't bother you to get on top of your house or climb a tree or scale a mountain. But as we begin to get older, we have a fear of great heights. We don't want to do that anymore. And he says as you get older, he said that uh, the grasshopper will become a burden. The small, trivial things in life will become an annoyance as we get older. I know some of you may have grandchildren, and when the grandchildren come and they begin to make a lot of noise, you know, you understand about the, the grasshopper being a burden. That is, it begins to wear a little bit on you. You like it to have peace and quiet. That's just characteristic of older people. And he says, as we begin to get older, then you're going to, uh, the almond tree will flourish. Now let me tell you about the almond tree. The almond tree, when it is in full bloom, is a beautiful array of white. So what Solomon is alluding to here is the graying of the hair as we begin to get older. You see, just as surely as we're born, it's just that certain that we're going to get older. And then one day we're going to leave this old world. And that's exactly what Solomon says here, that man goes to his long home and the mourners go about the streets. And centuries have passed since this was written, but men still go to their long home and mourners still go about the streets. Man's long home. That's eternal home. I don't understand about eternity. I've heard people try to explain eternity, give a meaning to it. I don't understand it. Right, right now, the way we live our lives, we live it by the watch. We live it by the calendar. We, we, we calculate our lives in, in seconds and minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years. But there is a place that there will not exist any longer and that's in the eternal realm. But I don't understand it. Some have said eternity is like a ring. It has no beginning. It has no end. Uh, one preacher said that time with all of its rolling ages is scarcely a tiny bubble rocked up on the bosom of the sighing sea of eternity. But what does that really mean? You might as well search for the cradle of God and the tomb of God 
is to try to find the beginning and the end of eternity. I don't understand that. You know, there are a certain number of drops of water in the mighty ocean. That there are a certain number of grains of sand on the seashore. There are a certain number of blades of grass that grow on the earth. There are a certain number of leaves on the trees of the earth. Now, if it were possible to number all the drops of water in the mighty ocean, multiply that by the number of grains of sand on all of the seashore, all the seashores across the world, take that inexpressible number and multiply that by all of the number of blades of grass that grow up on this earth, then multiply that number by the number of leaves on the trees of all of the earth and let that number represent years, that final inexpressible number would in no way compare to the meaning and the length and the duration of eternity. It's just duration without limits. And yet that's where we're headed. We're on our way to our long home, our eternal home. Just suppose God were to call into His presence one of His angels. And He gives this angel a task. He said, now what I want you to do is I want you to go to earth and I want you to destroy the earth an atom at a time. You know you can't see an atom with a with a naked eye. But I want you to destroy it an atom at a time. And every time you've destroyed an atom, I want you to come back to heaven and rest for 500 years. Then you go back and you destroy atom number two. And so that angel comes on that task and, and, and flies with lightning speed to the earth and destroys atom number one, goes back to heaven for 500 years and completes that cycle until that angel has completely obliterated what we know as our earth an atom at a time, resting 500 years between the destruction of each one of those. And after that task is gone, gone, he's gone with lightning speed throughout the universe, destroying every sun, every moon, and every planet that God ever made, an atom at a time. And by the time that angel would have returned to the presence of God and said, Father, what's next? Eternity would just have begun. You see, I'm a dying man talking to dying people. We're on our way home to eternity. We're fellow travelers. So what is it that we ought to do? What's my purpose? And in this chapter, we find that purpose. In verse 12, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. And you know the wise man of the New Testament, Jesus, is in complete agreement with the wise man of the Old Testament, Solomon, about the purpose of life. 
Solomon said what a man ought to do all the days of his life is to fear God, to keep God's commandments. And Jesus said, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, him will I liken unto a wise man. The wise man in the eyes of Jesus is a man that hears his word and obeys. A wise man in the estimation of Solomon was a man who fears God and keeps the commandments of God. Why should we do that? Why, why should anyone be concerned about obeying God? We're living in an age where people really don't want to be told what to do. We're living in an age where people don't like the word obey. They don't like the word commandment. But, but I can't preach the Bible without telling you all it says, folks. And, and, and I would not be your friend if I did not tell you that our duty is to fear God and to keep His commandments. I really wouldn't love you if I didn't tell you that. And I love you more than you know. So why should we obey God? One of the reasons we ought to obey God is to show ourselves wise in the sight of God. That's what Jesus said, whoever hears His sayings and doeth them is like to a wise man. I think all of us want to be considered to be wise no one wants to be considered to be foolish. Another reason we ought to obey God is because this is the way that we demonstrate our faith. James said in James chapter 2, I'll show you my faith by my works, that is, by what I do. And we ought to obey God because this is the way we show God that we love Him. We ought to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with every fiber of our being we ought to love God. Yes, indeed. But what does that really mean to love God? You know, it's amazing to me how the Bible explains things we need to know. Look at 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3. This is the love of God. What is the love of God? That we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. And that word grievous simply means as a burden to be borne. You see, when we love God, we do what God tells us to do because we love Him. I think sometimes we love God like the little boy loved his girlfriend. And years ago we would write letters today they wouldn't write a letter and put it in the mail they'd, they'd send a, a text and so can, just imagine a young boy sending this text to his girlfriend today I, I sure do miss you I, I haven't seen you now in about three weeks and I surely do miss you and I, I want you to know I love you so much there isn't anything I wouldn't do to prove my love to you not a thing I wouldn't do to prove my love to you. Why, he said, I want you to know I love you so much I'd swim up the deepest oceans. I'd climb the highest mountains. I would sw I'd walk on fire in my bare feet to show my love for you. He said, by the way, I'll see you Saturday night if it doesn't rain. I think that's the way a lot of people love God. Oh, yes, I, we sing in, in thunderous tones, Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. So long as it fits into what I want to do. 
But you see, when we really understand what it means to obey God, then we will surrender to His will. Jesus is the epitome of obedience. He was an obedient son. Hebrews 5 and 8 and verse 9 says, Though He were a son, yet learned He obedience by the things which He suffered and became the author of eternal salvation unto all of them that what? That obey Him. So Jesus understood the meaning of obedience. Now picture Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying. And Jesus prays, Father, if it be possible, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You see, Jesus resigned His will to the Father's will. That's obedience. Jesus was in the garden realizing that the cross was ahead of Him. And He says, if it's, if it's possible, I want you to let this cup of suffering pass. But it wasn't possible. He said, I'm just going to resign my will to your will, God. That's, com that's surrender. That's commitment. That's obedience. I read a story one time about uh, a man who was a very successful farmer. And uh, he knew that it wouldn't be long until he would die. And, and he had two sons. He wanted to leave them everything that he had. But he knew those two boys knew absolutely nothing about farming. So in his will, when he left them everything, his entire state, he gave them instructions about certain things that they ought to do in operating the farm. So after the man died, the will was read. There came a day for him to carry out the father's will. And one of the boys said, you know, I know dad meant well, but I think he's made a mistake. Because Dad said that what he, one of the things he wants us to do is to build a new barn. And I think the, the location he selected is not the right location. And so they, rather than building the new barn where their father specified in his last will and testament, they moved the location. They built the barn, they just moved the location. And the father even told them in the will that the orchard they had was old and they needed to plant a new one and prepare for the future. So the other son said, well, I know dad was a very good farmer and a wise man, but it just appears to me that the location dad has selected is not the very best one. So they moved the location of the new orchard just like they moved the location of the barn in their father's will. Question. How many times did those boys carry out their father's will? Well, you say two. I'd suggest they, didn't, they never carried the father's will out the first time. Well, you say they built, they built the barn and they planted a new orchard. Yes, but they put the barn where they put it because that's where they thought it ought to be. 
And they, built, they built the or, planted the orchard where they planted it because that's where they thought it ought to be. Not because that's where their father said to do it. The fact is they never obeyed their father's will and carried it out the first time. And sometimes we carry that kind of thinking over into religion. And we think, well, I know God said thus and so, but that's just not the way I see it. But you see, it matters not the way we see it when we submit ourselves to the Father's will. It's somewhat like a captain with sealed orders going out to sea. The question of obedience to those orders is questioned before he, before he ever leaves port. And it's not until he's out at the, in the ocean that he opens those orders and then he carries them out. He submits to the orders whether he likes them or not. And we to submit to the will of God. You see, it has to do of our accepting Jesus as our Lord, realizing he's in the one in control. He's in control of your life. There are so many blessings that come to us when we're willing to obey Him. Uh, J Jesus wants you to, to, to be His child. God wants you to be His child. Jesus wants to be your Savior. And He's willing to save you if you'd believe on Him. If you'd be willing to turn from the sin in your life, repent, Luke 13, 3, and to confess your faith in Him and to be baptized into Him. He said, He that believeth, and he is baptized, shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Would you do that? Would you just obey him? Obey him today? Now, I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments of this telecast, I'd like to give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And if you're not certain where it's located, call us, write us, text us. We'll get it for you. And also right now, pick up the phone call for that free Bible correspondence course. It could be the single best thing you've ever done for yourself. And also, you can take this course online. Whatever you do, please take this Bible course. This is getting to know your Bible. We want you to get to know your Bible. And I want to thank you again for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711- 5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1 877 5214. Join us next time for getting to know your Bible.